God is good. That's right, all the time. God is good. Man, it just, it doesn't matter. We're not going to make this political Sunday, so I'll make this a two-second thing. It doesn't matter what you think, what your beliefs are. None of those things really matter. Here's where we're at. Today is November the 13th. Time goes on. The 8th is over. And now it's time as the church to pray, just as we did on the 7th. We need to be together. We need to be united. We need to keep praying for this nation that God has put us in. Until he calls your heart and tells you to move to Mexico or to Canada. That was no, I did not insinuate anything there. But until he tells you to do that, you keep praying for the land that he's placed you in. This is where we live. This is our nation. And it's one nation under God. Don't tell me that God wasn't a part of this nation. They wouldn't have said things like that if they didn't have mean it. They put God in everything. God was a part of everything. It's history. You can't take history away. You can't get rid of history. Go and find it. God was in everything. Everything they did had God in it. And they can try to rewrite it, the history, just like they say the Holocaust didn't happen. They can try, but you cannot get rid of history. It will find its way back out. And the reality is this nation was always a God-fearing nation. The devil has had a plan since the beginning. Remember, they didn't even make it out of the garden yet, and there was the devil with his plan. So just because this nation has always had a dark path as well doesn't mean that this wasn't God's nation and that God didn't have a plan for us. The devil will always put himself right there next to God's plan, but he couldn't stop God's plan in the garden, could he? They came out of the garden, the devil thought he won didn't he? But God had a plan. Man, that's what I want to preach about today. God has a plan. I felt compelled to go to the story of Abraham because this guy who was following a plan of God blindly was up here and down here and up here and down here. And we just reread it as just a few chapters so easily. And we look at this great man of faith, but you look at 25 years of time. Every four years, you got a new president. Every day, you got to deal with this thing. And then this person in our family has passed away. And this child is not doing so great. And this thing, and you have to think about every single day, every single day. We look at the stories so easily, but you, we, we struggle. We have this struggle and we have that struggle. And we don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But God has a plan. And what we need to do is look at the block of time. Just like we read it, we need to look at our own lives the same way. It's so easy to look at this very second we're living in. Who has sat in the dentist chair and it's only like three seconds. They drill and then they stop. You know, they know that it hurts, so they drill and they stop. But man, it feels like you are in that chair for an eternity. And all you can think about right now is that drill. The reality is, is once you get out, it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And now that ache, right, Annie? <laughs> Annie's had some toothaches this year. That thing that was driving you crazy, but all you can think about is the moment of pain. But as soon as you come out of it, you're so relieved that it's done. 
and time goes on and, and, and you forget, you don't even remember, oh yeah. And so God is, I think many times we get confused and we don't understand what God's doing because we're looking too much through our eyes. In our eyes, we see this, the second by second, we see the moment by moment, and he sees the big picture. We need to see through God's eyes. And, you know, the, the book that was compiled together that we call the Bible, it does two things for us. It has a, has a group of characters in it. It's basically what this is. It's characters that were real people. These guys were real people going through real life. And in fact, some of the things in the Bible are even darker and crazier than stuff we've ever seen in this nation. Stuff like starvation, so it was so, they were so starved that they even ate their own children. But everything, I don't care what anybody says, everything is in this book. Everything. It's all in there. And the reality is, is that we, we can find two things. One, that people either trusted God or they disobeyed God. And we can see the consequences of that. But two, we can see that whether they trusted him or didn't trust him, either way, that God's grace and his mercy was here for the person who would turn back. No matter how many times they failed, what the Bible shows us from cover to cover is it's a book of mercy and of grace. And much like this nation, we have never come to a time of praying. I don't, I mean, in my life, I'm sorry, I haven't been alive that long, but in my life, praying for the nation and praying for the election, I've never seen it like this one. I've never seen it like this one. But I believe that the church really came together in this season. They really did. And God gives us mercy. I believe that no matter what we think of the person, and we're not, I don't want to keep getting into that, but that God's mercy is in this season. That's all I want to say. That this is a season of mercy. You can look at, we could look at CNN, you could look through the media and say, well, I don't know about that. But I feel the spirit of God. This is a season of mercy. This is a time to not to fall asleep, but to take his mercy, to take his grace. What does grace and mercy do? Well, we ask for it when we've made mistakes. So now it's not a time to go back into the mistakes of being asleep, right? Not looking and not caring, but it's a time to take his grace and mercy and empower us to move on as his church, to be the church and to be an example of Jesus Christ in this nation, to be an example of his light. Now, they may still hate you, and Jesus warned us that they would. That's okay. But to if we hate each other, if we're divisive with each other, then we're really giving a confusing message. Sorry, that wasn't my message. I just had to say those few things. I told TJ I wouldn't say anything else. He said something to me beforehand about what's going on, and I said, don't worry, I won't bring it in, but I had to. Sorry. But this book shows us that there is grace and mercy available to his people. That's the Bible. It's a book of mistakes and mercy. Mistakes and mercy, and the mercy and grace was there for anyone, anytime, even murders and crazy stuff just for them to genuinely turn back to God. And so we have Abraham. 
Uh, I want to pull open the book of Genesis. We've been working through his story slowly. I had a quicker plan, but the Lord had his own plan. And let's just pull open the book of Genesis. I'm going to open up to chapter 15, reading from verse 1. So we've already looked at how Abraham came out of the land of the Chaldeans. He came out of the land he knew where he grew up. He had been raised and he had his children. I mean, he didn't have any children yet. He had his family there and he left his family. And he's, the Lord tells him, go, I'm going to take you somewhere. And he has no idea where that is. Anybody, right? Anybody identify with that, that God's taking you somewhere you don't know where that is, but you know God's in control. You're willing to follow him. That's, I believe that's, he's like, all right, I'll follow you only because you're God. So anyway, we get to Canaan. We get to the land that God's going to finally establish Israel one day. And he's here. He's in the land. And, and we, we talked about last week that Abraham, he even made a few mistakes there, right? Went over to Egypt. There was a famine. He comes back. But it says that he came back again. He worshiped the Lord again. And he was established. At this point, he settled. He got himself settled. Okay, believe this is where you got me. I'm still living in a tent. I'm not building a home. He never built a home the whole time. They had houses. He never built a house. He was, he was here, but he, and he was moving a little bit in, within the region, but he had a border. He had found himself here. He had settled. And that part of leaving and going to where I'll tell you was done. Many times when we follow God, God asks us to do something. We get to a place and we stop. We get settled. We've sought him, we prayed to him, we sought him again, he, we had a time of worship with him, but then we don't know, so I don't want to assume, but I've heard all kinds of sermons from this moment in Abraham's life about the mistakes that he's about to make, a mistake he's about to make, we're going to read. And I just want to speak to you a little bit about this. It starts off in Genesis chapter 15. Sometime later, this is important. Sometimes now you've just, you trusted God, God got you there, and some time is just going on. Time is going on. I'm a believer. I've been a believer a long time. I've been a believer for some time now. And it says, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son since you've given me no children? Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. So the Lord gives Abraham a promise. I'm going to give you a son. Sometimes when God tells us something we're, we're questioning God. We're wondering where this, this whole series, the reason I've been talking about this is I believe that every Christian wonders at times in your life, where's God? 
I just felt compelled. Abraham is such an example of a guy who continued to believe, continued to trust, but and like I said, we look at his block of time. We read in Hebrews, this man of faith, but you have to wonder what he'd be thinking all these times, all these days, and all of these questions. Where are you, God, right now? But the Lord comes and he speaks to him. And sometimes this is uh, a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes God holds back from telling us something because we're about to read what we do next. What happens? Sometimes God holds back and it feels like, where are you? Why aren't you saying anything? And it's for your own benefit that he's keeping silent. Because it says in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, it says, now Sarah, we're just going to call her Sarah. I know her name gets changed. We're going to read about that. Call her Sarah because it's easier. Abram's wife had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, an Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as his wife. And this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So it had been 10 years of trusting God and following God. So I'd say sometime later, 10 years of just, I'm trying to trust you. I left everything and I'm out here, and, and now you're saying I've got this land. What's that even matter? I don't have a son. The Lord's like, no, I'm going to give you a son. So, okay, Lord, what else do, well, how do I make that happen? Who said that? Who has heard God speak to you or heard that God's given you a call, given you a promise? Okay, how do I become what God's called me to be? How do I be that person? Who's asked that question before? It's the wrong question. The better question is, God, I'm going to say the same thing to you that I said when we left. When I left what I knew, which is, okay, okay, that's it. That's really all responsibility is. Okay, God will do it. But I love, we're going to get into this just for a few minutes. I love God's mercy, though, his grace. God is amazing. Let's read what happens. Well, he gives uh, I mean, she, he takes her as his wife, and it says in verse 15, she gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. He was an old fella for a little baby. But then we read in chapter 17, verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, so his son, thank you, Lord. You said you'd give me a son. I've got a son. He's 13 years old. Thank you, God. Amazing. Trusting God. Came out here following God. Didn't know where I was going, but he established me. And I'm here, and now I've got a son, and everything's great. Following God. Trusting God. And it says, when he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, El Shaddai God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Is it all right? We're going to just read a bunch of texts. I'm going somewhere with this. 
He says, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to you to give you countless descendants. And at this, Abram fell face down on the ground. That's a good position to be before God. When the Lord speaks to you, that's the best place to be. That's where I go before he speaks to me. Get on my face. We talked about that last week. That's the place where God speaks. And it says, then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. And what's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Wow, listen to this word of the Lord, the prophecy of the Lord. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after, and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Verse 15, then God said to Abraham regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will be no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Wait a second. Huh? I've already got a son. He says, he says in verse six, uh, 16, God continues, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100? I mean, God, I was in my 80s. That was pushing it already. How could I become father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessing. What I love right here in this moment, I've heard, who's heard sermons on this before? I've heard all, all kinds of sermons on this growing up in, in the faith. You know, God never told Abraham. It was not uncommon at this time to have many wives and children with your wives and servants. And it wasn't wrong. God never told Abraham. I've heard sermons and, and, and in Galatians chapter 4, verse 22 and 23 says, that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. Verse 23, the son of the slave wife was born, it says in the New King James, according to the flesh. The NLT says, which basically means this, in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. A flesh, he did it in his own strength, and what he was capable of. He did what he thought he should and could. He was capable of doing it. Still, 
Sorry, that was rated PG-13. And he did it and tried to bring about a promise. And it says, but the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. I've heard all kinds of sermons on this that Abram got into the flesh, messed things up. You have to picture yourself in this position. It has been all of these years. And you're trying to follow God. You're trying to trust God. And God says, I'm going to give you a son. And never tells you how that's going to come about. He doesn't actually say that it would come from Sarah. God didn't tell him that. So he did what he was capable of. Now, it doesn't change the fact that he did it in his strength. He tried to make something happen. But God does not judge him for it. In fact, it says in verse 18, May Ishmael live under your blessing. Verse 19, But God replied, No, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, listen to verse 20. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also just as you have asked. And I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. Verse 21, but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. In Genesis chapter 21, verse 1 again, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised, and she became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age, and this happened at just the time God had said it would, and Abraham named their son Isaac. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. That's what Isaac means. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham and that Sarah would nurse a baby, yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age? As I started this sermon today, I said a statement I've been saying each week, which is when we read in the Word about these guys, men and women, who were following God, trusting God, trying to believe God. Who is trying to believe God right now for things in your life? Promises, for redemption, salvation, all of those things. We believe God that he's going to do what he said he would do, right? And the reality is, is I think a lot of the church has gotten beat up by sermons that put your flesh, they put so much weight on you out of your mistakes, the things we did. It's, listen, he did not go out and try to build a kingdom. He tried to fulfill what God asked him to do. 
There's a difference here. And when your heart is right, when your heart is after God, even when it does something out of the flesh, even though it was flesh and even though God had to separate, right? We know the story. Ishmael had to leave. He couldn't stay in Abraham's home anymore. He had to leave with his mother and they left. And they actually became most of the Middle East now. That's actually them right now. And became a war for, it became, you know, the flesh brought about war. It's, it's still to this day for Israel is a fight. The war that you're seeing right in there over that land is still because of this. In fact, they say, well, that's my father, Abraham. There are consequences in this world. There are natural things that come out of our flesh. But God, God will not put that weight on you. I just wanted, I've been feeling like the Lord just wanted to free us. We just took, we made a, a very pivotal moment in this nation. Very pivotal. It doesn't really matter if it's flesh or if it's God. Because we keep our hearts right, we keep trusting God, we keep looking to God, and God will work it out. I, 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 I was saying yesterday that I felt so overwhelmed with joy this week that God, I just felt such peace that God is in control, that He's in control. I was like, I don't even know if I want to go back and, and preach on this. And then I realized, I just wanted just to tell you today that there is joy. There is joy in knowing God and following God. And then I realized that that's exactly what this is already talking about. It frees us. We just keep trusting God. And even when, even when we do things in the flesh, we have we tried we pushed, we tried to move things in our flesh. Those things, unfortunately, they do get washed. They can't come with you. God will not take that time with you. Those things will be cut, but God will fulfill his promise. Because what did he tell him? He just said to Abraham, he just said to him, he said in chapter 17, Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Abraham was already doing that. Serving God and living a, living a blameless life. God never says, why'd you do that, you stupid fool? I've heard sermons like that. It was a flesh thing and the flesh things, God can't use those things. But it was not condemnation. God never condemns him once, not once. Even our mistakes, no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what times you should have done this and you did this, I should have done this and I did that. And you're even, that's, that's in the, if you are doing it out of your flesh, we have the grace of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away that past. And even when we come into the kingdom and we try to start making things happen, we can carry our nature with us in to his call. That's what happens. It's the very nature in you that was already there that says, okay, how do we make this happen? That's what we do. Especially here in New York, we get that. We're movers and we're shakers, right? 
So what we do, we go, we make things happen and we have to be really careful. So we have these characters in the word to teach us two things. One, we can look at his life and now we actually, we can see his grace and mercy for our mistakes, but also we can dial back and say, wait a second. Okay, you know what, Lord, forgive me. Maybe it was this and it was that and it, and it was always gonna be Isaac and I created an Ishmael and I've, I've done things, I wasted time, but you know what? I'm here right now. That's what we need to come to. You need to come to the place where you're here right now. This is the moment you're in. The past is past. The future is ahead of you and you are right here. And God will create a plan. He'll come to you and say, put your heart right because I'm gonna do something with you this year. Because that's what he said. The last 13 years, unfortunately, we're not gonna take that time with you. We're just going to wash that away. Don't worry about the time, though, Abraham, because I don't live in time. Wow. Wait a second. God says, but I don't live in time. See, we're worried about waste. Who, have you ever tried to uh, make something work because you put so much time and so much effort into it? Is it possible that God allowed it to be that time so that when the promise fully came, when the call of God fully came, that it would be hard. It would be hard to put down what I'm trying to do for you, God. It would be hard to try to, to put down what I tried to build for you. And sometimes the Lord just comes along and says, we're going to do it my way. And you can read into whatever you want. I believe the Lord did that in this nation. I believe we tried to build, tried to shake, tried to move in this nation. I believe the Lord just said, we're going to do it my way now. That's for us personally, as for a church, but I believe that that was a word for this nation too. God says, we're going to do it my way. This year, I got something coming. And the, the Bible is filled with this. Just for uh, just 10 minutes, I'm, just, I'm going to share a few verses with you guys. Just want to show you that this story doesn't end. This is the way that God works. I started going through the word, man, and, and at first I was like, ah, uh, you know, I want what's, what's my, some examples, Lord, give me some examples. And then there's too much. Sometimes you go looking for just, I need some examples because I, I know what you're trying to say now, Lord, and then there's just too much. But just a few verses did you guys ever hear it somewhere in the Bible? I couldn't find the verse. There was this guy that was prophesied that was going to come. This guy's name was Jesus. I was trying to find the scriptures. I think it's a story you've heard. And it says that he was foretold that this guy was going to come. And it says that he was going to change some things in our world. But when he came, they didn't understand him, did they? In fact, even his own disciples, we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not, come on guys, they are not for you to know. God is not really concerned with our dates, our plans, our calendars, our Ishmaels, our past, our plans, any of those things. He's not really concerned with that. Jesus had a plan, didn't he? 
Jesus had a purpose. God had a plan and a purpose in Abraham. And he's God and he will do it any way he wants. And if he tells you that those things you built, the stuff you tried to do in your strength, that's a good thing and I'll, I'll bless that, but that's not me. You're not taking that with you. If God decides to do that, well, he's God. I've just been feel compelled this month just to encourage us that he's God, that he's in control. You put your heart blameless, put it before him, and he will take care of all the details. It says, but, but, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's all you need to worry about. You don't need to worry about the grand plan, the grand scheme. Where am I? What's God doing? Where are you at right now, God? Because we got some questions. Is it time? Are you going to do what you said you would do? It's finally, Lord, I mean, we, we're trying, we do this in our own strength, we do that, we're pushing, we're pulling, and then sometimes the Lord just says, reminds us that you don't worry about those things. I've got to figure it out. You just worry about the kingdom. You just be who I've called you to be right here, right now, and I will work the plan out. I'll pull it all together. And some things I'm not going to use, don't be offended. Some things I'm going to use, plain and simple. Some things in us, we just do. It's our flesh. That's okay. That, that we, there's no condemnation. I just, I don't know who that's for. Maybe it's one person. But I feel like you just needed to hear today, there's no condemnation for what you tried to do in your past, what you tried to do in your flesh. You tried. You were trying to follow God, and you tried to do it. You messed it up. God's not worried about it. He's not, he said, it's not for you to be concerned about those things. In fact, God's plan goes a little bit further. I read last week, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, not I've shared them with you. I know the plans I have for you, and they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. 2 Timothy 1.9, it says that God saved us and called us to live a holy life, and He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan from the beginning. God had a plan, and it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, the wisdom we speak of is, of is the mystery of God. It's the mystery of God, His plan... Everybody say, His plan. His plan is a mystery. And that's okay. That's okay. Because it says that His plan was a mystery. It was previously hidden. Speaking of now Jesus is here. Now Jesus is already on the scene. This is post-Jesus. But God has not changed. His plan for our lives, His plan for this church, and His plan for this nation is still a mystery, and He doesn't have to tell us anything. But what He will tell us is, you be my kingdom, you be my people. There's a whole bunch of other stuff for you to worry about. Like, hey, do you still love each other? 
that's sorry, that's what TJ and I were talking about. We're seeing divisiveness in the nation. And, and I said, it's because Jesus told us that's how they'll know you are the church. That's how you know. That's how the world, it literally, there's only one thing that the world, it says, will look at us and know that we're believers for. It doesn't say because your good works, that all the good things you do, that you're a believer. It says your good things will point to God. But the only thing to tell them that you are a Christian is your love for one another. Sorry, I just slipped that in there again. Maybe that's for someone out there on the web. Now that, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, that, that there was an ultimate glory. There was a plan that before the world began, Satan thought he won in the garden. Satan thought he won at the cross. Satan may have even thought he won in this nation in this time, but God has a plan. He thought he won when we took prayer out of schools. He thought he won when we said abortion, that sticking scissors into the back of the head and vacuuming out brains was okay. He thought he won, but he did not win. God has a plan. And we can question all the time in between, all we want. But God says, this time next year, I've got Isaac coming. This time next year, I've got a plan. It's always been my plan. We're just going to start over. Is that okay with you? And the Lord continues. It says, now, verse 8, the rulers of this world have not understood it. Now, there's some controversy on what this is. This could have been, you know, some say that this is the rulers of the time, like Pilate and Herod. I disagree. I believe it's very clear that this is the spiritual world because it says the rulers of this age. And if you look at the real text, this was Satan and his kingdom, the rulers of that kingdom, because what the heck, why would Pilate and Herod care that Je what Jesus is going to do? He didn't care. But they cared. The enemy cares. The enemy thought he was winning putting him on the cross. But God, in his infinite wisdom, says that they didn't understand it. And God kept it that way on purpose. God keeps your plan. So many questions we have, he keeps them a mystery on purpose. Because now let's go back. When he reveals things, that he, he desperately wants to tell us things. Do you, as a parent, want to tell your children something that you've got promised for them? Yes, of course you do. He's the ultimate father. He couldn't wait to tell Abraham. He's like, okay, you know what? All right, maybe this is a little too much license, so forgive me. But maybe God's like, you know what? I messed up with Abraham. I, I told him that too fast, too soon, 13 years too soon. Not going to do that again. Not going to do that again. Because look what they do. They go out and try to do it themselves. I had a plan. But God has a plan. I just, everybody wants you to say it. God, God has, has a plan. plan. Period. The enemy's got a plan, but God has a plan that crushes the enemy's plan. He takes the enemy's plan and he puts it in the grave. Come on. And it says, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. If they had realized what was about to happen, he would not have done it. And it says, to close, that this is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. God's got some good 
things coming for his church, no matter what the world looks like, even if it's a cross. Come on, church. Even if it's a cross, God's got some good things coming. But it, verse 10, was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets for who can know the Lord's thoughts who can who knows enough to teach him but we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ I'm going to just stop right there I don't want to tell you too much cuz now we could get into a whole other side thing but basically this is saying listen there's some mysteries, there's things you don't understand, but then because we're led by the Spirit, we're going to get into this, because you're led by the Spirit, there is something in you. There's something in you that has a peace. He's not going to tell you everything. He's not going to show you everything. God's got a plan that bypasses you, it bypasses the enemy, it bypasses this world, it bypasses elections, guys. It bypasses everything. God's plan is supreme. But when we are led by His Spirit, we, His church, we get this peace in us. We get a leading in us. This is what Abraham had. I said that, and I know that's a little edgy because the Holy Spirit was not indwelling yet, but he's really the closest Old Testament picture to Holy Spirit-led because he's going to a place he doesn't know. God's leading him, right? And here we are as believers right now. What God is saying to us right here today is that he's in control, he has a plan, and that. His secrets are within him. You want to know God's plan? You want to know his purpose? You want to know what he's going to do? Again, it's not going to be everything, but if you want to know anything, let's put it this way, anything that matters, anything in your plan, there's only one way to get it. It's to get into God. It's to lean upon him. It's the same thing he told the very first, the patriarch. Just be before me. You love me. Put your heart before me, and I will lead you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you brought us to, together today. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it's life. Lord, do what you do best and take this word and plant seeds that grow in us. In Jesus' name, amen.